You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. A big privilege for me to be able to kind of bookend the conference, doing the first session and the last session as well. And uh, you always think at the last session of a conference like this, the verse that always comes to my mind is, he who endures to the end shall be saved. So you guys have done very well. A couple things just before I get started. Uh, First of all, I saw, I I feel terrible because I didn't see that my friend Chapin Marsh from Calvary Chapel University was here, and I'm sure they had a table out there. I really recommend that work and that ministry to you. It's a a tremendous uh, enabler of good education and joy in education. So I recommend you the work at Calvary Chapel University. And then again, to you, I would want to say... I unapologetically would ask you to pray for me and the work I do. I'm not expecting a half hour of war room intercession every day, uh, but if you could just occasionally make mention of the work I do. uh, God has given me, uh, I think, a unique calling, a unique ministry. Uh, I, I have an online Bible commentary that God seems to be blessing. The, the reach of it just seems to, thanks. The, the reach of it just seems to keep, you know, getting extended out. And, and especially, we put a lot of focus, effort, resources into the translation of that Bible commentary into other languages. Uh, because uh, as much as we think it's a blessing to have good, free Bible resources in English, which I think it is, uh, let me tell you, Good, free Bible resources in other languages are really rare, really hard to come by. So we've got very active and engaged translation works in Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, German, Russian, Farsi, Italian, Portuguese, French, uh, Kurdish languages, and several more, Urdu, Hindi. So uh, I see, and look, I... I don't know if you tell, I I get excited about the book. I could talk your ear off about it. But I see God's hand of blessing on it, and I know it's because people pray for it. So I kind of unashamedly, wherever I go, I usually ask people, would you just pray? Because the more people that are praying for it, I see God answering those prayers, and I'm very grateful to the Lord for what he's doing with it. So thank you for that. Father in heaven, speak to us now in and through your word. Thank you for this wonderful theme that I have the opportunity to speak on this morning. Guide us in and through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My subject for us here this morning is our future reward as believers. And I think this is something that as believers we have mixed feelings speaking about. Because there's almost within us a sense that it's selfish or wrong or maybe even inappropriate for us to think much or talk much or focus much upon the rewards that God has for us as believers. 
Every once in a while, you'll meet Christians or preachers or you know, commentators or whatever who kind of give you the attitude that our, our, our attitude as believers should be something like this. Um, I'm gonna serve the Lord, I'm gonna obey him, I'm gonna sacrifice for him, and if at the end of all that, God is pleased to send me to hell and give me nothing, then I should be ecstatic about that. Let me just say, that's not God's attitude. I understand how that's kind of a, a trip that we put on ourselves or other people may put on us from time to time, but that's not God's attitude towards us. Brothers and sisters, one thing I want you to see through the many scriptures, and this is really gonna be a study where we just click through many passages of the Bible. I'm gonna to talk to you generally about this idea of reward. But what I want you to understand is simply this, is that God is not hesitant to talk to us about reward and to even motivate us with the promise of heavenly reward. I think this is a big theme in scriptures. You see it promised in the Old Testament. Let me read you just a couple of passages. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 11. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Now, one thing you should know about these references to reward in the hand of the Lord here in Isaiah chapter 40 and chapter 60, reward there almost has a sense of recompense. In other words, reward in this sense can include the idea of judgment. God is gonna come and bring to people what they deserve the recompense that the righteous God would give them. And that would mean blessing and reward for his faithful, his people, and judgment to those who have rejected and resisted him. This idea of reward was promised by Jesus. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter five, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you see how Jesus unashamedly, without any hesitation, put the anticipation of heavenly reward in front of his people so that they would endure through tough times? Matter of fact, I want you to notice that Jesus mentioned reward either by word or concept, at least nine times in the Sermon on the Mount alone. He wants us to know about our heavenly reward. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 says this, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall shall by no means lose his reward. I tell you, I love that verse. If you think about it, what is there more simple to do for somebody than give them a cup of cold water to drink? And what is there more fleeting? You give somebody a cup of cold water to drink in Jesus' name, and here's the thing, an hour later, they're gonna be thirsty again. It doesn't last, but you know what Jesus said? Even that, 
God remembers and there will be reward in heaven for the person who does that. What a powerful motivation. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Jesus says this, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Again, reward, reward, reward. Now, it's not only in the mouth of Jesus, although that would be enough for us, would it not be? But throughout the Old Testament, through the other inspired writers of the, Old, uh, the New Testament, I should say, uh, for example, John in 3 John verse eight says this, look to yourselves that we do not lose the things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. I want that phrase to kind of echo in your mind, full reward. Whatever it is that would define full reward for you, you should be saying, God helping me, I want to receive the full reward. And doesn't that also suggest that it's possible to fall short of the full reward that God would give us? Continuing on with other New Testament authors, the author to the epistle to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. I think Dr. Ed uh, read this verse to us and it's a powerful idea. It says this, Hebrews 6.10, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not forget your service. Now look. We, as the people of God, have an interest in seeing righteousness and justice enacted in the here and now on this earth. But we work towards that understanding that perfect justice and perfect righteousness will never be resolved until eternity. God tells us that we should not expect to be rewarded in the proper measure in the here and now. Now I know you as pastors, pastors' wives, elders, worship leaders, Sunday school teachers, servants of the Lord in any way that God gives you the opportunity to serve, you understand that instinctively. But I just want to remind you of it. You will not be fully and properly rewarded in this life. Can we just accept that right now? And so if that's kind of an inner demand in your heart, you gotta ask God to set that straight. Lord, I'm not playing for the here and now, I'm playing for eternity. And Lord, it's okay with me if I pour my life into ministry that seems to have little visible success, little visible blessing or reward in the here and now, knowing that my reward really awaits me in eternity. I remember hearing Pastor Chuck say something from time to time. I don't think he was the only person I ever heard say this, but I remember it especially from his voice. He would say, you know, he'd kind of give that Pastor Chuck look and look off, you know, to the side, and he'd say, 
Sometimes I think there's going to be no reward for me in heaven because I've received so much blessing and reward here on earth. Again, I, I don't think that that's theologically true. God had plenty of reward for Pastor Chuck in heaven. But, but you get the sentiment, Pastor Chuck was able to see and experience so much of the visible fruit and success of his work right here on earth. But not everybody has that. If you don't have it, it's okay. Can I read it to you again? Hebrews chapter six, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name and that you minister to the saints and do minister. God would be unjust if he did not reward you at the end of the age. And can we just all agree? God is not unjust. (laughs) That's not gonna happen. This is an assurance of reward. Uh, Continuing on, in Paul's writings, Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24 say this, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Look, if you're expecting to be rewarded by man adequately, in proportion, properly for the work you do now, you're gonna be disappointed. But if you're grateful for whatever reward or fruit you see in this life, then praise the Lord, we are. But realize that our real reward is eternal. I think that's the right kind of mentality to have. So we do our work heartily unto the Lord and not to man. When we lose a focus on the idea of heavenly reward, and when we have our focus upon earthly reward, earthly feedback, listen, you know what this does. It makes us man-pleasers. Can I say there's, there are few things more tragic, and I don't know, more sad than the pastor, preacher, servant of God who's playing for the applause of man. It's pathetic, isn't it? And, and, and I say that seeing the tendencies within my own heart, and I just say, no, Lord, Lord, keep my heart and mind focused on eternal reward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul has something great to say about reward. He says this, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Wow. You know, the bigger context there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is kind of the division of labor that God has in his work. You know, one plants, another waters, we all share in the harvest. So each one has their own work to do. If you're a planter, then praise the Lord, God gives you the planting. If you're a waterer, God's giving the water. If you're a harvester, praise the Lord, you all have your own work to do. But understand, our reward fundamentally comes from God. Now he who plants and he whose waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. We all have different work to do, but we're all on the same team, but we will be rewarded individually. You know, there's something um, sobering about that. 
I've seen this dynamic. I'm I'm sure you have too. I I, I pray that represented here in this room with all you people, that there's a lot of healthy, thriving churches in this room. I'm not saying necessarily large numerically. You know, you can have a healthy, thriving church that by, you know, comparative standards isn't necessarily large. But but I think we've got a lot of healthy, thriving churches here. And here's kind of the thing. People often think that they're good Christians because they attend a good church. There are people who are part of your congregations who think that way. But I want you to know, God isn't giving reward based on what church you attended. He's giving reward based on your individual work. We are rewarded individually. We will be rewarded, but it'll be individually, and we will be this kind of makes me, man, I, I understand how principle like this can be misused, but it's here. Look at verse eight. We will be rewarded according to his own labor. We will be rewarded according to how we work. I, if I'm speaking to this many servants of God, I know that I'm speaking to at least a few, maybe a couple. Maybe there's three in this room. You feel unappreciated in your work. Maybe, what do you think, about three in this room, you think that's a good estimation here? You feel unappreciated in your work. And now, let me say, in one sense, it's not good that you feel unappreciated. We as pastors, leaders of ministry teams, we should be constantly encouraging one another. You know, maybe we need to give more, you know, well done, man, I see what you're doing for the Lord, it's great. We, we, pats on the back for each other, this is good. But, but at the same time, we realize we're not serving for that sake, are we? We serve with the assurance that there's eternal reward for us. And and it should affect our mentality. Now, how will we be rewarded? I think there's many aspects to reward. One aspect of reward, and I'm putting these in no particular order. I, I, I didn't exactly know how to order this part of it. But I'm going to talk to you about several different aspects of reward, at least four different aspects. Let, let's say this, four aspects plus one of reward. Okay, so here's the four aspects of reward. Number one, we will be rewarded by what remains. W- what do I mean by that? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. It says this. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so is through fire. Our work for the Lord will be judged at 
what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, sometimes we refer to it by its you know, uh, uh, English phrased uh, transliteration of the Greek idea, the bema seat of Christ, we'll use that. It's a judgment seat. And this judgment seat of Christ is absolutely distinct and different from the great white throne judgment. Get that out. This is not a judgment to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to the lake of fire. This is a judgment to decide what reward believers will have. Only believers will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. But we will stand there. Dear servant of God, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and your work for the Lord will be evaluated. Now that right there should make us swallow a little bit. A a principle of management that I've heard, believe I'm no expert on management, but a principle of management I've heard is this, is that people don't do what's expected, they do what's inspected. And I'm here to tell you, your work is going to be inspected. It's going to pass through the fires of the judgment seat of Christ. And if you notice the whole phrasing here, look again here at verse 14. If anyone's work on which he is built endures, he'll receive a reward. God will test the work that we've done for him. Brothers and sisters, let me just cut right to the point here. I'll I'll take the privilege of speaking with you directly. Some of what we think has been sacrificial service to the Lord will not survive the fires of judgment at the Bema seat of Christ, and it'll be like we never did it. Now, what kind of things might disqualify, might corrupt our service of the Lord so that it would not last? I'll give you one thing. It it, it could be bad motives. We serve for the honor and glory of self instead of the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. We serve to make a name or a place or a position. We serve from impure motives. We mistreat others in our supposed service of God. There's no doubt that there will be people who pass from this life to the next thinking that they've done amazing things from God and it'll all be burnt up. I think of the contrast, it just comes to my mind now. You know, here's, here's a, a Mr. Hotshot Pastor. But you know, he, he, he's just not good in the way that he deals with people. He's egocentric. He is all about self instead of really the Lord. And he goes from this life to the next and stands for the beam of seat of Christ. And he's all confident. Yeah, Lord, look at all that I did for you. The fires of judgment go over and there's nothing left. And, and Jesus says, well, welcome to heaven. But there's no reward. And there, then there's the guy that served out in the parking lot. Nobody knew his name. He didn't get any attention. He got an orange vest, but that's about it. And you know what? He served just with a pure heart, with joy, honoring God. And he passes from this life to the next, you know, almost downcast. You know, well, uh, all I did was serve in the parking lot. And he comes before that beam of seat of Christ and the fires of judgment go through that. And you know what? There's a whole lot left. And Jesus says, welcome to heaven. Here's a reward. It, It should sober us up about how we serve. 
So, in one sense, our reward is what remains. But here's another sense. Number two, our reward is responsibility in the age to come. Friends, we've already discussed this a little bit at the conference, but I'll just mention it again. We will rule and reign with Jesus Christ in his millennial kingdom. Revelation chapter five, verse 10. This is part of the praise of the 24 elders in heaven, the 24 elders who represent the people of God. This is what they say. And you have made us kings and priests to God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now it's not directly we who sing that to God, but it's the 24 elders, again, who represent the people. They're speaking for us. We shall reign on the earth. Revelation chapter 20, verse six says this, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. In some definite, demonstrable way, the people of God will reign with Jesus Christ. Now, in a parable that Jesus told, I believe he gave an illustration of this. The principle is established in other places, but there's a parabolic illustration of this, for example, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, where Jesus explaining in this parable, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things, enter into the joy of your Lord. You see that? What was the reward for faithful service? Being made ruler over many things. Or I like even how Luke presents it in Luke chapter 19, verses 17 through 19. Look at this. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came and saying, master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Now again, This is a parable of Jesus, but I think in his parable, Jesus illustrates the responsibility that believers will be given in the age to come. The more faithful we are in serving the Lord on this side of eternity, the greater sphere of responsibility or authority we'll have in the millennium. I don't understand that perfectly. I can conjecture. You know, maybe a a great reward will have to do with the amount of responsibility you have. You know, look, we're gonna help Jesus Christ administer and govern this, this world. Maybe people who govern over what we would call today a state or a county, well, people who've been more uh, faithful under the Lord. Since you've demonstrated in your life that you have honored me and been faithful to service, Here's your sphere of responsibility. Don't you think there's gonna be a lot of prayer warrior grandmas being governors over the new earth? <laughs> and, and then maybe, and you know, we just get a little playful with this thought in our mind. I, I don't expect you to take this too serious, but maybe it has to do with where the assignment is. You know, because the, the millennial earth is gonna be a lot like this earth, and there's some places that are nicer to live than other places. So right, right now, people are saying, well, Lord, I, you know, Lord, instead of making me the governor over, I just fill in a bad place there. Uh, Lord, make me the dog catcher in Maui. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but in some sense, it has to do maybe location, maybe responsibility. But we will, and part of our reward 
is how we'll be able to serve the Lord in the millennial kingdom. That will be reward for you. Friends, I want you to understand this. When you pass from this life to the next, you ready for this? This It's gonna thrill some of you. When you pass from this life to the next, your days of serving God are not over. Matter of fact, even after the millennial earth, it uses this phrase in the book of Revelation to describe the heavenly state. It says, and his servants shall serve him. I don't know how, but we're gonna be serving the Lord even in eternity to come. And how could it not be that way? How could heaven be heaven unless there was a way for us to really serve God? Because it's just part of what we do. It's, it's honoring them. It's an act of worship for us. So an important aspect of reward is responsibility in the age to come. So reward is what remains. Reward is responsibility in the age to come. Third, our reward is a crown. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 says this. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We are running for an imperishable, a crown that will remain. Or you remember these moving words from the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. James chapter one, verse 12 says this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And then Jesus also mentions the crown of life in Revelation chapter two, verse 10. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now look, um, some of these crowns are the crowns of royalty. Some of these crowns are the crowns of victory. Most pointedly, we're thinking of the crown of victory where it was very common in the ancient world, in the Greco-Roman world, where on the head of a victorious athlete or on the head of a victorious general was placed a crown. And it would be a crown made of some kind of leaves. It was placed in there with ceremony and those leaves would fade. That's why Paul makes a point to say, we will receive an impact perishable crown. Friends, you're gonna get a crown in heaven. Maybe a crown of royalty, but there's also a crown of victory, of reward. Now, I'm gonna be the first one to, I don't know exactly how that's gonna work in heaven. I don't know if we're gonna walk around and see some people with enormous crowns, (laughs) other people with little tiny crowns. You know, the little, the little tiara that some gals wear. You know, other people have the big, you know, Queen Elizabeth thing. I don't know how that's going to work. And there are some people, and perhaps this is true, that think what we'll actually do is we'll imitate the elders around the throne of God and we'll be casting our crowns before God. So maybe that's the case too. And wouldn't that be a glorious service? Lord, I praise you that because you've worked in me, I've got a little bigger crown to cast before you, but it's not mine to hold on to. It's yours, and it's for your glory. I I like that thought too. But we will be rewarded. Now, we think about this. How, How can heaven be heaven if there's any kind of competitive vibe up there? 
You know, I walk around and I see my brother Ed Taylor's crown. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that kind of crown. Look at that. What's you think he is, the king of England there, you know? Here I am, and I'm like this. this, this uh, God bless you, Ed, but it's like, man, look at all that. Now, we, we, can't, we can't think that it would be like that, right? N- nobody's going to be feeling down or competitive. Now, I like this thought, that maybe one of the greatest ways that God rewards us in heaven is not by some ostentatious show by which we impress one another and angelic beings in heaven, but what God gives us in heaven is the real reward, the real crown, so to speak, is a greater capacity to enjoy him and his fellowship. You could say this, possibly, we're speculating a bit, but I like the speculation, I'll be honest with you. It it could be like this, that in heaven, We're all gonna have a completely full cup. But maybe part of the reward is that God gives some people a bigger cup. So we're all full, but but maybe the reward is God just gives a deeper cup. I don't know, we're speculating a bit here. All right, let, let me move on. Our reward is also a crown, and in regard to that, our reward is something to guard. Look at Revelation chapter three, verse 11. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. Friends, I want you to think about that. That, that not only is it not carnal, it's not impure for us to think about and work for a heavenly reward, but we should be a little bit jealous and possessive of it, a little bit. In the sense that we say, I don't want anything to rob my reward. I don't want anybody to take away my crown. God helping me, me keeping humble and surrendered before him, I want to see God work in me to cross the finish line and be able to present a crown unto Jesus Christ of reward. That's my passion. I don't want anybody to steal it away. I don't want sin to steal it away. I don't want self to steal it away. I don't want the world, the flesh, the devil in any way. No, I, I, I want to be zealous to protect that unto the end. Now, those are several ways that we can think of reward. Our reward is what remains. Our reward is a responsibility in the age to come. Our reward is a crown. Our reward is something to guard. Let me conclude with this. I'm going to talk to you about the greatest reward. The greatest reward is the Lord himself. Our portion, our inheritance, our reward. Do you remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1? Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Isn't that the best of all? What is the greatest reward that we're working towards? The greatest reward that we anticipate in heaven. It's that reward of having absolutely unhindered fellowship with God. To have his presence, to have his closeness, to have him fill our entire being in a way that we can only barely comprehend on this side of eternity. That's our great reward. As I like, as it says in Psalm 16:5 and many other passages, the idea that the Lord is our portion. He is our inheritance. And then I like what it says here. 
in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Brothers and sisters, this is the ultimate glory of heaven. This is the true reward of heaven. Now, I believe everything that the Bible tells us about heaven. I don't put much stock on the testimony of those people who say that they went to heaven and back, but I believe everything the Bible tells us about heaven. I believe that there's gonna be gates of pearl and streets of gold. I believe that heaven is gonna have no more tears, no more pain, no more injustice, no more sin, no more death. I believe that in heaven we're gonna be blessed with the company of God's people throughout all ages. And I believe that in heaven, as I mentioned before, we will have blessed service, absolutely untainted by the curse, service unto God, yes. But none of those things in and of themselves really make heaven, heaven. You know what makes heaven, heaven? It's the presence of God. And this is our greatest reward. Even as God spoke to Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Are you living for that reward? Are you working for it? Are you cherishing it? Are you okay with being unappreciated or underappreciated? Again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard to fix that in our midst, but At the end of it all, we say, Lord, my real focus is on you and the heavenly reward you give. All right, now I'm gonna give one more extra, extra point. This is like the appendix. You know that our greatest reward, our greatest inheritance is in the Lord himself, amen? All right, let me blow your mind just a little bit in some way that's difficult for me to understand. Maybe it's easy for you to understand. For me, it's a little bit difficult to understand this. We are God's reward. What's in it for God? Well, there's no one answer to that question. But one aspect of the answer is found in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. Paul, in this tremendous prayer, you know, it's one of these amazing prayers in the book of Ephesians. As part of this prayer, Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 18. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Not your inheritance, his inheritance. Lord, are you saying that you have an inheritance in your people? That in some sense, we are your reward. I think about that and I go, Lord, I don't know how that works. 
but Paul wanted the Ephesians to understand that they were so precious unto God that God considers them his own inheritance. And friends, I don't know about you, but I am very familiar with my own weakness, my own spiritual poverty, and I wonder how God can find any inheritance in his people. Lord, we're spiritually poor. We depend upon you for everything. It's not like we bring anything great to the table. Lord, wouldn't you be better finding an inheritance somewhere else or in something else? Maybe there's an inheritance for you among the angels. I don't know how much of an inheritance there is among us. But think about this. God can make riches out of men and women who are poor in spirit. Why? Because he invests so much in them. God has invested in you and will continue to do so. Riches of love, riches of wisdom, riches of suffering, riches of glory. And those things accrue and build a rich inheritance unto the Lord. So none of this makes us think, oh, aren't we amazing? God has inheritance in us. It makes us think, don't we serve an amazing God who works so marvelously in us? Who works so marvelously in us that even we have, well, let me rephrase that. So even he has an inheritance in us. So, here's my suggestion. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep serving the Lord. Let's come together a year from now uh, with, with um, some skinned up knees, with some bumps and bruises from serving the Lord, with some fatigue from the energy that we poured out. We'll come together a year from now. We'll get refreshed again, but we'll know this, that as much as God gives us the ability to serve him and honor him, we are building a heavenly reward. And we say, Lord, keep our focus there. Father in heaven, Lord, I I think of how completely extra it is that you would reward us. Lord, it would be enough if you would merely spare us the lake of fire and give us entrance into heaven. And then you say, Lord, that in some sense there's reward for us as well. What an amazing thing, Lord. So Lord, give us a mindset. Help us to store up treasures in heaven. Help us to serve for your glory and not for the glory of intention of man. Fill us with your spirit. (laughs) Keep us on your path. And Lord, we look forward to a year from now when we gather together all over again. We love you. We praise you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your greatness towards us and all that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. We receive it in faith, praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor David Guzik. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor David's teaching ministry by visiting EnduringWord.com.